When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, and I will answer true or false or yes or no questions from our football insider subscribers. So that's coming up. I got two things to tell you about. First, Monday, Doug and I had never seen Draft Day. So we watched it and then we did a pod reviewing the movie with Scott Patsko. So that's coming on Monday. So you want to make sure you're subscribed. And if you haven't watched the movie or seen the movie or you want to rewatch it before that, Try and get that done this weekend. There you go. I'm giving you a little homework. How about that? And then, you know what I got to tell you about Football Insider because training camp's coming up. And if you aren't a Football Insider subscriber, you're going to miss out on a lot of good stuff coming your way. You can be one of our tech subscribers. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. And, of course, you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. True or false and yes or no on a Friday. Orange or Brown Talk Pod. From the 717 area code, true or false, Baker Mayfield will have a better year in wins and quarterback rating than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That it's a great, great question because I think we have to really look at the Baker uh, that played in the second half of last season. He was dynamite down the stretch. Again, take it with the tiniest grain of salt in that he didn't face uh, the best of the best pass defenses down the stretch. But nevertheless, he was like the second hottest quarterback in the NFL after the lights came on for him. So with everything that he's got going for him this year, including a much better defense that will support him in the way that they couldn't last year with takeaways and such, I think he does have a really good chance to be statistically great this season. And so I do think that there is a chance that he could could end up with more wins and a better quarterback rating than those guys so it has to be then both of those two right yeah let's say both okay let's say both hmm I'm gonna say false though I'm gonna say false I think it might be uh, a little difficult to eclipse both of those guys for for a number of reasons but but yeah I think he's gonna have a, a great statistical season but I'm gonna say false if I if it has to be both I think the Browns will win more games than both those teams. So I think that will hit. I don't know that the bills are going to keep going up. I mean, they, 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 that was a pretty great year individually for Josh Allen and for the team last year. And I, and I, I'm, I'm not betting on an, on an exact repeat of that. When you look at the quarterback rating, like QBR last year, Josh Allen was third in the league. Baker was 10th. Lamar Jackson was seventh. I do think it might be hard to catch Allen in, in a rating like that. But I also, I don't know. I spent all last season. I was like, I mean, what am I going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to come on this podcast and start praising Josh Allen. I'm going down <laughs> with the ship. I'll be in Canton being like, I don't know about that guy. Sure. He's in the hall of fame, but how accurate is he? So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, that Baker and the Browns are ascending. And I don't know if that's true as much for the Ravens and Buffalo. It doesn't mean that the Ravens and Buffalo are descending, but I think the Browns might be still headed up the mountain a little bit and move past them in almost every way there is to move past them. So we saw what Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen last year, and we didn't really get to see what Odell Beckham Jr. when he's connected and fully healthy with Baker for a year could do. So I'll bet on Baker for both. I'll say true. I'll say Baker leads both those guys in passer rating and the Browns win more games. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be better this year than he was last year. And I think Josh Allen is going to be worse than he was last year. And I don't mean that in a bad way. All right. I'm not going team Doug here on the Josh Allen. I'm not jumping on, on Doug's car on the what? Josh Allen train. Just speeding. What's wrong with team Doug? Come on team Doug, Dan. There's plenty of room. I just, I don't know that I think Josh Allen, I don't think Josh Allen is going to complete 70% of his passes again. 
I don't know if he's going to put up the types of numbers he put up last year. I think he's going to have a good season. I think there's going to be some regression, just like there was with Lamar Jackson last year. But I think Lamar Jackson will be back a little bit closer to what we saw in his MVP year. I don't think it's it's abnormal for a guy like Josh Allen to have a regression. I think Baker is kind of going to be stable. I think he's going to be a little closer to what we saw in the second half of the year. So I think the Browns are going to win more games. I would say true on that. I still think Josh Allen will come in with a better rating than Baker Mayfield. And Lamar Jackson's going to be close. The two were pretty close last year. So I'm going to say false on that second one. But I think these three statistically, and it's hard just because they're all such different quarterbacks. I think statistically, though, they will be close. It must be remembered that. Josh Allen also has that continuity. So he is building from year to year. And Ken Dorsey, who is an excellent quarterbacks coach, was just promoted to passing game coordinator. And then they still have Brian Dayball there. And I think Brian Dayball has done a phenomenal job with Josh Allen. And so much of the development of these young guys has to do with your coaching staff and how these guys are bringing them along and playing to their strengths. So I, I don't know. I mean, I believe enough in those guys. Now, had Brian Dayball left and taken a head coaching job, I might think that Josh Allen was in for a bit of a regression, but I think they're going to continue uh, to build on what he does really well. And he's an incredibly hard worker. So I, I actually think that, that, again, it's hard to complete 70% of your passes. That's incredibly hard to do. But I still think he's going to have a really, really good season. I don't see much of a drop-off for him. All right, we've got uh, a couple of receiver questions, uh, specifically about Odell Beckham Jr. This one comes from Michael in Munson. True or false, Odell Beckham Jr. will lead the Browns in individual all-purpose yards. So we're just talking across the board, rushing, receiving, obviously not passing. He's going to lead the team in all-purpose yards. True or false? I think false that – I know, I mean, they're not going to throw the ball much to Nick Chubb, but if you, I think, I mean, I don't know, is Nick Chubb going to run for 1,300 yards, maybe? 1,350? I don't know that Odell's going to get there from a receiving yards standpoint. So I think a full, healthy year of Nick Chubb, I would bet on him to lead in all-purpose yards. I mean, I'm, I'm Mary and I talked, Kay talked about this last week. It's like, what does, I think Odell could be like the best he's ever been, but still statistically, it won't be the best he's ever been because there's just too many guys. But I think even with, with sharing the load as they do in the backfield, I think there's still room for Hunt to, or for Chubb to have like 1,450 yards or 1,375 yards. So I've just got to go with Nick Chubb there. Yeah. And you know what? I think another candidate for that this coming year could possibly be Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem had 841 yards rushing last year. Part of the reason he did was obviously because Nick Chubb missed four games. But this year, there's going to be, I believe, a little bit of a different strategy in how you map out your season and how you dole out the reps. And that is because you know you have to play 17 games for the first time ever. You know you don't have a bye week until week 13. That's a long, long time to wait for that little rest. And then also you really are banking on playing three or four playoff games this year. So, you know, you've got a marathon ahead of you. Therefore uh, I do think that they will probably divvy up those running reps a little bit more. I mean, I, I absolutely 100% still think that, that Nick Chubb is going to go over a thousand yards that that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to worry about you know, making sure that he gets 1,500 yards and wins the rushing yardage title. I think that they want to get through their 20 games really super healthy. So I think Kareem might get a little bit more of those workhorse bruising, punishing runs, you know, let him carry that load a little bit. And then also can do a lot of things with him in the passing game. And I think they will do more with him in the passing game this year. So I think he's another candidate for that. And I actually think uh, that, that he would have a chance to surpass Odell and maybe even Nick for most yards from scrimmage. Last year, it was Nick Chubb leading the way. Kareem Hunt was right behind him. They were the only two Browns players with more than a thousand total yards. Kareem Hunt had 1145. Chubb had 1217. Uh, Odell Beckham has gone over 1300 total yards three times in his career. Obviously, has not done it in his two years in Cleveland. He had 1045 back in 2019. 
So I, he's probably going to have to, he'd have to have 1200 receiving yards at least. Mm-hmm. I, and, and we're talking a 17 game season too. I, so who knows what these numbers are ultimately going to look like. You have to add another game of production in, but he'd have to go over probably 12 or 1300 yards to even have a chance to, to get to this. And he's certainly capable of that. I mean, my goodness, he's capable of that. But as, as we have mentioned so many different times, I mean, it, it's just not going to be the kind of season where you're just going to be able to feed the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. every single game, you know, 10 times, 11 times. You just have too many other things going on. You're going to be too multiple uh, for any one guy to just completely blow it out of the water every week. I, I'm still going to go with Chubb, though, because like, Dan, those stats you read off, Chubb was barely ahead of Kareem Hunt in yards from scrimmage last year, but Chubb did it in 12 and Hunt did it in 16. So I still think, I, I mean, I understand what Mary Kay is saying. They very well may lean on Kareem Hunt even more in a longer season. I still think Chubb will be the guy. This would be a great thing. Like I'm sure we'll do some kind of hard and fast predictions before the start of the season. There's enough interesting candidates for something like this that like, you know, we call it on, on the Ohio State podcast, we call it Market Down Monday, where like we make ourselves like, what's the thing? It's like, who's going to lead the, the Browns in yards from scrimmage, I think is a really interesting question. Okay, this is the gift that keeps on giving with these receivers. From the 832 area code, true or false, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry will be the starting receivers in 2022. Hmm. False. <laughs> I just don't think, I mean, I just the way the money works, I just don't. It's one of those things. Maybe they'll be waving someone one of the two will be waving farewell during the super bowl parade so it's like i i understand this stuff it just i just don't think it works with where they're headed with to have the money they'd be spending on receiver at that point as they're doing extensions and doing all the other things they have to do so I, i'd say false mary cam with doug on this one i'm going to go false too i, I just something's got to give here eventually mm-hmm. and it's, it's either going to happen in 2022 or a year after and i feel like this team wants to be a year ahead on stuff like this. That's kind of what smart teams do. So I'm going to go with, with Doug on this one at false. What do you say? I did an entire 21 for 21 on this. So I dug into the numbers I dug into, I critically thought about this issue a lot in trying to uh, write that post. There is a world I think in which it can happen. And the reason why for them to be back in 2022, the reason why I say that, even though I don't think the chances are great, Uh, Here's why it could possibly happen. And that is because even though they are set to be under contract in 2022 for a combined $31 million again, neither of them have hardly any dead cap space after this season. So you can go to those guys and you can say, do you want to stay together? Do you want to try to win another Super Bowl? Or do you want to try to get to the Super Bowl since we just came up short and lost to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game? Do you want to come back, run it back one more time and see if you guys can get this done? But if you're going to do that, we have to restructure your contract, give you a little bit more guaranteed money up front, and we'll stretch it out a little bit, a couple of avoidable years so that we can creatively make this work for everybody involved. Bring that cap number way, way down. But you're here. You like Baker. You know the system. You like Kevin Stefanski. We were oh so close last year. Let's come back and get her done. That's a world in which I could see it happen. The other way is to go out and once again, either get to the AFC championship game or win a Super Bowl and just make it so and be such a big reason why that happened that the Browns have to say, we really want to repeat this and come back and do this again. And those guys take great care of their bodies. They're going to be 30 next year in the 2022 season. Uh, they'll be 30 most of the year, but you know, there are worlds in which you would want to try to keep these two guys together and see if you can keep it going. Probably not going to happen. They've got some really good young receivers. They'll continue to add to the pile, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. And the other point of that is they might have some really good young receivers. It's not like they have first round picks sitting around behind those guys. So if you're going to let, and I still think Jarvis just feels like so important to this team. It feels like to me, if one of them left, it would be Odell. I, I don't know. We don't know about Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz. It's not like they, they don't have, they didn't take Rashad Bateman, right? If they took Rashad Bateman, it'd be like, okay, well, we're almost sure that they would do something like that. So we'll be, that's one of the things to watch this year. How do those receivers develop? And if there's any hesitation, I'm like, listen, we are trying to win the Super Bowl every year. And like, we think, 
DPJ and Schwartz might be good, but we're not sure. So let's do exactly what Mary Kay just said. Let's go to them and say, let's make this work for everybody and keep this together. It's one of those things. There's a scenario where they could stay because it's so good. Why let it go? But there's also scenarios where it's like, you know, like it didn't go exactly as we wanted it to go. So everybody's kind of unsure about stuff. And so why would we break up? Like, let's, let's try to get better. So I think you're right. I think maybe like, I don't know, 20% chance, 30% chance, Mary Kay, that I think you make a good point that it's maybe a 0% chance that they'll both be back at their current numbers. Right. right? So that's, that's a zero. That's a zero. Yes. But could I they make it work is possible. And when, when you talk about those numbers, actually, when you get to the 2022 season, those numbers are not even going to look astronomical anymore because obviously prices are going up, salaries are going up, and they're going to continue to fall down a little bit in terms of where they rank in salary. But heading into your your 30 year, your 30 year old year, I really don't think they would bring them back at those cap numbers. Let's just put it that way, at those cap numbers for 2020. You're going to bring down those cap numbers, uh, even if you you know, make up for it with some incentives, as we've talked about so many times before. There's creative ways to finance them if you want to keep them. So yeah, the other thing is, as you guys, as we have mentioned, you do kind of have to see how it goes with all the different pieces and parts. Those are two guys that are, they fancy themselves as Hall of Famers. And in a perfect world, I think Odell would have been a Hall of Famer. Things haven't worked out for him in the last several years, and he's had injuries. Jarvis, you know, you can make a case on some of those numbers, especially if he keeps it going. But if they're not getting the ball very much in this offense because you have so many weapons and you have to spread it around, who knows if, if how this year is going to go. You might have guys popping off in, in week you know, 13 saying, I'm not getting the ball enough and this is ridiculous. I mean, I don't envision that happening. I think this is going to be all about the Super Bowl this year. I don't think individual goals are going to be uh, at front and center, but that has something to do with it as well. Okay, we had some coaching questions, so let's get into those. This comes from Ronnie in Newton Falls, who is a regular on our podcast where we ask for questions. He says, hey, gang, true or false, Kevin Stefanski will win a second consecutive Coach of the Year award. And I'll just add, what would he have to do to win that second consecutive Coach of the Year award? Be the two seed at worst. Like, act, make it seem like the Browns are, like, arguably the best team in the AFC because nothing else is an improvement. They were, they were good last year. So how do you, improve? they have to improve. So I don't even know that. I mean, if they go 14 and three, so, and also voters just get sick of stuff. I don't know. Somebody, somebody else knew, I don't know who's, I, I don't even know who coaches are. I mean, like um, Robert <laughs> Brian Flores. Yeah. Brian Flores or, or if, the, if the jets oh. go nine and eight, you know, like Brandon Staley. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The chargers lost 50 games by a touchdown by, by one score last year, or he's not like, you know what I mean? Like there's just another too many other teams that are going to take a step up and their coaches are going to get credit for it. So I think no false. I think it's almost impossible unless they're like the best team in football. Yeah. Usually there's an, like an it coach every year. Right. And that was Kevin Stefanski this year. And you know, the momentum kind of built, of course he had to, win that final game to pull this off. You know, they, they had to get into the playoffs. I talked to uh, some voters that said, you know, that's what clinched it for him, winning that final game and making the playoff spot and the excitement of that. But each year uh, there's usually sort of an it coach. And sometimes it's a new guy. Sometimes he comes out of nowhere, uh, but you can kind of feel it building throughout the season and I think that it will be somebody different this year just because, it, you know, it'll kind of be like, oh, well, we expected them to win 14 games, like Doug said. That, that, what's the big deal there? Everybody thought they were going to do that this year. So I think there will be someone else that kind of moves into that sort of it coach spot. Yeah, I think he'd probably have to go like 16 and one. Like just be so, just, just blow everybody away and just be so much better than the rest of the league. I think that's the only way he could probably win it because it is normally a very much an up and coming award or if there's an established guy who's maybe been down for a little while and has a great year, maybe that guy wins the award, but uh, Brandon Staley sounds good. Mm -hmm. I think that might be a good one. Somebody get me the odds on Brandon Staley winning coach of the year. 
Okay, questions about coaches, and this is about Joe Woods from the 904 area code. Uh, true or false, with a successful season, is Joe Woods the most likely Browns assistant coach to receive head coaching interviews? That comes from Robert in Florida. So I guess that's more yes or no. Is Joe Woods, with a successful year, the most likely coach to get head coaching interviews? I'm going to say yes because I think people are going to start rating this coaching staff, first of all. And I think if this defense is really good, Joe can kind of take some credit for it. And I think he'll get interviews. So yes, I'll, I'll say yes on that. You know, I, my first instinct is to say yes as well, but there, there is another factor here involved and we don't know the answer to this yet. And that is what if Kevin Stefanski turns play calling over to Alex Van Pelt? That is when offensive coordinators start to get interviews for head coaching jobs when they are the play caller. That is the route to becoming a head coach, actually probably the quickest route to becoming a head coach. So if, if Alex gets that role this year and the offense performs the way that it did in the second half of last year, or even better, and they sustain that throughout the year, I, I think he's also uh, going to get some head coaching consideration but I do think, uh, as you mentioned, if that defense comes together the way that everyone expects it to, then, yeah, I do think that, that Joe Woods will get some interviews, and I think he should get some interviews. And all this talk about Joe Woods being on the hot seat, I mean, what he did last year to hold together that defense with smoke and mirrors and rubber bands and whatever else, ace bandages, uh, I thought it was pretty remarkable that they were able to accomplish what they did with what he had to work with. I mean, the league is, it doesn't take much, right? I mean, like if you are part of a winning team and your side of the ball look pretty good, the guys get hired off that all the time. Uh, I do wonder, I mean, there were definitely def defensive hires this off season, but I wonder even if a world Mary Kay, like even if Van Pelt doesn't call the plays, but like if Kevin Stefanski is constantly saying Alex Van Pelt is invaluable, he is an offensive genius, he helps shape everything we do. I couldn't do this without him. And Baker Mayfield says he's turned me into the quarterback that I am. And Baker's playing like a top five guy. And that like you can you can do things. And and I don't know, like I guess the, like if we think like, well, what's going to drive this team? If this team does go 13 and four or 14 and three, would you say it's more about the more because of the defense or more because of the offense? I, I don't know the answer to that. Even though they changed a lot of the defense i still think it might be the offense that if this is like man like you can't stop these guys they throw it they run it they're balanced they use motion they go they use 12 personnel they they they're creative they're efficient and that like that's the vibe of like hey give me some of that browns juice what is it it's like oh man this offense they just they have so many weapons but everybody's happy I think maybe Van Pelt, even without calling plays, would be able to absorb some of that juice if Stefanski and Baker push him. And then, I don't know, sometimes there are owners who just still want like offensive gurus, right? So I wonder if they would present him that way. Not that Joe Woods wouldn't be a great candidate, but sometimes offense sells. Yeah, I, I do agree that Alex Van Pelt could get some looks, even if he doesn't call plays. Uh, because I actually think he's that good. I mean, when you've got Aaron Rodgers out there, you know, stumping for you, and then, as you mentioned, you'll have Baker Mayfield talking about what you did for him. Uh, I think a case can be made that he should start to get some looks. Did Zach Taylor call plays with the Rams before? No. Right? He was no. just like, it was McVay's show, and like Zach Taylor was there and was good and just absorbed the McVayness, and the Bengals were like, that's good enough for us. I don't even think you was he ever a coordinator? No, he's just the QB coach. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it depends. If your head coach is viewed as an offensive genius, people just want to steal his apprentices, right? right. So it's like, I'm, I'm not saying that Stefanski is going to be viewed like Sean McVay, right? Because he's boy wonder. And there was definitely like a McVay vibe in the whole league for a couple minutes there, but it could be close. And like, if that's what it is, it's like, I don't know who should we hire? I don't know whoever Stefanski's right-hand man on offense is because we want to do that. Well, the other thing is you're buying a system. Okay. So when you are hiring an offensive head coach, you are 
buying what he does best. And now Alex Van Pelt would be bringing to you the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, that system that is so successful. He knows it. He knows the nuances of it. And it's sort of the it offense right now in the NFL. And he can bring you that. So that's another thing to consider. From the 513 area code, this is a two-parter. And we don't have to spend a ton of time on the first part because the second part is a food question. True or false, David Njoku is the best tight end on the roster. I will say false. I think he's the tight end with the highest upside. I don't think he's the best tight end. It's a good question. It's a really good question. We in Cleveland did not see the best of Austin Hooper last year because I don't think Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield had their mojo down together yet. I think they'll be better together this year because they kind of figured things out last year. I think Austin Hooper, I've said this many times, a lot of times it is hard to teach an old dog new tricks. He's been with one quarterback for a long time. The ball comes in differently. Yeah, you know, sometimes there is an adjustment period. And I think there was that for him last year. So I think he's going to be better this year. You know, if he's playing at his sort of Pro Bowl peak efficiency, then, then I think you'd have to put him a little bit of he- ahead of David. But this is not one of those situations where it's like he's head and shoulders above David Njoku. When David Njoku is healthy and he's on, I think he's a really good tight end. And I think he has a chance to get better when his head is in the game and when he doesn't have one foot out the door and he's when, when he's completely bought in and he went to tight end university. And I think he is poised to have a really nice season. You know, I was just double checking. I did, Austin Hooper's 26, David Njoku's 25. Cause I was going to be like, well, you know, I mean, Njoku is so much younger, you know, he's still, cause like, Oh no, he's like 14 months younger than Austin Hooper. You know, it's not like Austin Hooper's this old head and you know, David's this guy who's still learning the ropes. Like, you know, they're pretty similar, like similar spots in their career. So I just think, right. I mean, like Hooper's been more reliable or, you know, we've seen what, what he can do when you really target a tight end. So I think there are people I think there are definitely like some PFF people and some analytical sites or whatever that are like way in on David and Joku that are like, would be like, if they were on the show right now, they'd be like, it, no doubt about it. It's David and Joku. He's definitely the best tight end on that roster. So I think we probably have to have that opinion expressed, but he hasn't ever had as good of a season as Austin Hooper's had. Right. I mean, that's just facts. He's never been as productive as Hooper was at his peak. So I think I still I still would say Hooper, but the real answer might be Steven Carlson. I mean, this is kind of it for Njoku. I, I mean, we're going into year five, and we're kind of every year it's, are we going to see the best of David Njoku? And I think we've seen small steps here and there. But, you know, th- I mean, this, this is kind of it, man. You're going to be a free agent after this year. You know, you, you went to that tight end university. You did all that stuff. Now, now you got to go show all that potential that that you had when the Browns drafted you. Now, the other part of this question, this might be tough for us to answer because we don't really watch a lot of football in traditional settings, but yes or no, I guess it'd be true or false too. Buffalo wings are the best food to enjoy while watching a football game on TV. I think that's a definite. Yes. I think sometimes when I have like a Pavlovian response to like sports being on and like, I can start tasting like Buffalo sauce in my mouth. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have to eat wings right now. Now I, I do, I am a boneless guy. And I know that makes oh. some people, some people are turning off the podcast right now. <laughs> I, I, I understand wait, 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 Doug, that. What you're saying then is chicken nuggets. No, I know. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's not, it's the flavor. Like I don't, I don't need to, to murder the chicken. I get it. The meat was once on a bone. I, I would, I'm happy for someone else to debone my meat. I don't need to do it myself. But also, if I'm sitting watching a game and I'm eating the meat that's already deboned, I'm getting that delicious, flavorful sauce, but it's not as messy. Because I do think to eat the actual wings, now that lessens the football enjoyment because you got it all over your hands and like stuff's falling out of your mouth. The boneless wing is a bit, I'm there for the sauce. I'm not there because, oh, look, I can tell it's a chicken's actual leg. Look, here's the ankle and here's the big fat thigh part. I get it. It wasn't, it's a dead chicken, 
please cut the jet dead chicken like into a nice round ball, dip it in <laughs> sauce and put it in my mouth. So I know I like I can't I figured there was going to be a a bone in wing snob on this podcast and it's Dan Lobby. So I get it. And nobody's here for us to debate. But the flavorful wing sauce and that's that that sharp, that spice, right, that the heat is really good with like fall football weather. So like I'm totally in on that idea. There's this thing that the Cavs fans on Twitter do when they play the Nuggets. And they, they try to eat more, more McNuggets or McDonald's than the Nuggets score in the game. Whenever that happens, if you're on Twitter, you'll see him trying to do this challenge. Doug, I think that's right up your alley since you're already eating Nuggets during sport. Uh, an individual person? <laughs> like if the Nuggets yes. score like 103, they're like, I'm going to eat 104 Nuggets? I think that's how it works, yeah. Jokic has made that harder. Yeah. You know, like, like now the Jokic is, is like an MVP candidate. Back in the day, it's like how the Nuggets could score like 78. It's like, I could eat 79 wings. Like, can you eat 124 wings? I mean, 124 Nuggets? No, I don't. I, I, I mean, now we're just in Nugget slander. Now we're just, now we're just, you're just here to take shots at me for eating bones. Although, I can, I, can I make the case for pizza actually maybe being number one on this list? Because I love the wings, but, you know, you do have the sauce issues. You got, you got it all over your hands and fingers and all that. Pizza's pretty, might be a little greasy. But, you know, it's pretty portable. You can walk around with it. You can just have a piece of pizza. You don't need a plate. I think pizza might be number one on my list here. I have to revisit the wing thing for a minute. And this is one of those rare moments where Doug and I will absolutely 100% agree on something. Okay. I got to get Pat's go on here. I know. I'm I'm so sorry about this, everyone that's listening. I do not like to be reminded that that was an animal while I'm eating it. And I don't like looking at those bones because there are so many times where I just can't eat meat because it re- I'm reminded, like if I am eating red meat and I see a little of that juice on the plate, it's over for me, right? And it's the same thing with wings for me. If I have to like dig around through like that little, and I can just actually envision the chicken running around on those legs or wings or what, whatever. I, I have an issue with that and it stops me. So, I mean, like three times a week, although there will be some people listening to this podcast, they, it's funny because sometimes I veer over and onto the keto side and I do like a real sort of caveman keto thing for a while where I'm just like, eating a bunch of meat and protein and all that kind of stuff. So I go back and forth. I have a love hate relationship with animal protein. Okay. So it's best for me not to be trying to eat bones. And here's the other thing about me that you would hate to eat wings with me. You would just absolutely hate this. We're never, we're never going to be able to do this in Buffalo together. I, I can't put the bony little wing up to my my, I just, I have to like pick the, <laughs> I have to sort of like tear the meat off the bone. If it's mm. going to be, if it's going to be on the bone, I can't just stick that, the bone, you know, I, it, it grosses me out. This has been a I very enlightening segment here. I mean, the whole thing that the, the enjoyment that people get from eating meat off a bone, whether it's Buffalo wings, whether it's ribs, whether it's like a bone in steak, it's like, I don't, I'm not a caveman. I don't need <laughs> the bone. I'm a, I, we've evolved. I get, I, I'm not killing the animal. So somebody else is taking care of it. Just completely take care of it. I want only meat and I'm not going to apologize for that, but I do think bite-sizeness is important when you're watching a game, which is why we go wings, boneless wings over pizza, bite-sizeness, pop them in, boom, boom, boom. The pizza, the cheese falls off. It burns your chin. We've all been there. Garlic want- Parmesan. garlic parmesan boneless they're the best i i want the the table at football sunday to look like the the cave in monty python and the holy grail with the killer rabbit where he just looks at it and he's trying to tell him how scary it is and he just says look at the bones that's what i want (laughs) oh good for you dan true or false about miles garrett and jadavian Clowney? this comes from stacy in columbus True or false, Miles Garrett will have more than 14 sacks this season. And then true or false, Jadavian Clowney will have more than eight sacks this season. 
Can both those things even happen? I think true on miles. I think miles is going to have a big year. I think I say that every year, but I think, I think true on miles. He was going to do it last year. He'll definitely do it this year. I think those are both really good over under numbers. Like I'm not so sure if you were setting over unders that those might be the two numbers you set for those guys. So, I mean, I think we sort of talked about this. I don't think it's unreasonable for miles Garrett to average like a sack a game in a 17 game season, roughly. And I don't think it's unreasonable for Jadavion Clowney to average half a sack a game in a 17 game season. So I think both of these are very possible. I'll go true. Yeah. And, and remember it is a 17 game season this year. So that gives you one more game in which to, to rack up multiple sacks on any given week there. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say true. I think, Miles is more than capable of a 14 sacks in a 17 game season. And he would have, he would have exceeded that last year had he not gotten COVID. Jadavian, I think he's going to excel opposite Miles Garrett and kind of get back to getting home and getting that quarterback down. So I'm going to say true. I thought, I thought the texter was going to say 10 for clowning and I go under 10, but I go over eight. So like, I think it's like right in that range. Yeah. And like his top year has usually been like eight or nine. So that, I mean, that's huge. That's a pretty good spot. Like you said, to put, to put that over under. Yeah. Okay. So we had some questions about the cat. I love, see, this is how, you know, the Browns are becoming a good team and Browns fans are kind of still getting used to it because I love that. These are the things they're concerned about now. They're concerned about losing coaches. They're concerned about the salary cap and, and all of this stuff. They're not used to that. Usually it's just clear the decks and move on every two or three years. So Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller, of course, both headed to free agency. Nick Chubb might get extended here in the near future. Wyatt Teller, who knows? So let's start with Nick Chubb. True or false, he will be franchised next year. So I guess if you think he's not going to get extended, would the Browns just franchise him? And is that, I mean, is that maybe the best approach if they don't want to do an extension? I thought it would have been the best approach uh, because then your two-year average is so very reasonable. Uh, but I mean, from a financial standpoint, that would have been a good approach, but not a good approach from uh, keeping great relations with one of your best players and, and a guy who is so beloved in the locker room and in the community. It's just really not how you want to do business. So I'm not going to say, I, I'm going to say no on the franchising thing. I can't do contract stuff anymore. I just want <laughs> training camp to come. I don't know. He's going to be here. I, I remain fascinated, like how interested people are. And well, if they franchise and they do a second franchise, he's just going to be here. Like, it's fine. So I don't know. I don't mean to be dismissive, but it's just like the NFL contract stuff. I, I, I can't believe how much people are into that. Are you, are you this much into your own finances? Like, do you know, like, like, it's like, wow, you're going to pay your car off in the next 12 months or the next 24 months? Or am I paying off? In eight, I mean, do you know that? Because that's how interested you in and whether Nick Chubb gets franchised or not. It's uh, it's playing with Monopoly money. It's, it's kind of fun. All right. Now, so Doug, I got another one for you. True or false, Wyatt Teller will be the Browns' biggest cap casualty next spring. That comes from Steven in Westlake. That seems very reasonable to me. I just, I just think, and I think we've talked about that, that like the idea that he might get paid to go be somebody's best offensive lineman when on this team, he's one of their best offensive linemen. And like, I think... If you want to argue he's their best, okay. But I think like when Mary A.K. and I did our offense draft, I think we picked him fifth. I think we picked the two tackles and Batonio and Teller ahead of him. So I just think he's going to have more value to a bad team. Like that just sounds, that just makes sense to me that like somebody who's like four and 13 is like, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make Wyatt Teller the highest paid guard in the league. And that's what's going to turn our team around. The Browns are going to be like, uh, we can't dance in that on that dance floor. And I just think that's reasonable and it's too many good players. And this is what you have to get used to. I don't think that you can franchise him because that number is going to be so high because it's not Mary Kay. We've talked about this. It's not yep. like interior and exterior linemen are different on the franchise. Right. So you'd be paying him more than $15 million a year. I, I don't have, I don't remember. We've looked up the number before, but it is a huge number if you were to franchise him next year. Yes, I have compared this situation to the Titans situation with Jack Conklin, where he's still one heck of a player, went on to make all pro, pro last year, but for their cap and for their situation, they had to let him walk. There was going to be somebody else that was going to be willing to pay him way more money than they could. 
And I think that it might be that with, with Wyatt Teller, he might recognize, Hey, if I just hit the market, I'm going to hit the jackpot. So it almost would behoove him to do that as opposed to uh, settling for what could be significantly less here, you know, but then there are also perks to being here, including you like the quarterback, you like your guys that you're on the line with, you might go win a Super Bowl. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be up to him if he wants to wait and, and try to maximize his earning potential, or if he's willing to do a deal that, you know, might be a little bit less than what he could get out there. Okay, this is a fun one, or I don't know, maybe it's only fun to me. From the 215 area code, actually this comes from uh, M.W. Moser in Glenside, Pennsylvania. This season, true or false, this season, John Johnson III and Troy Hill will have a combined impact that exceeds all of the 2021 draft picks combined. So you have the draft picks all in one pile, and then you got John Johnson III and Troy Hill in another pile. Who has the most production. Mm, that's really good. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I, I've been texting out all week, long-term and short-term expectations for every rookie that the Browns drafted. And what kind of does stand out to you is like James Hudson probably isn't going to see the field this year unless somebody gets hurt. So, you know, you don't want James Hudson to see the field this year. Richard LeCount, might kind of be a red shirt guy because he's coming off that injury. So maybe he's like a red shirt guy. I don't know what he's going to do. Tony Fields. I don't know. It kind of comes down to Greg Newsome, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, and Anthony Schwartz, right? Maybe Tommy Togiai, who I actually think is going to push for playing time. But it probably comes down to those first three guys and what they do. So like if Greg Newsome is your starting corner and JOK plays a ton, it might be pretty similar. I'm going to go rookies outweigh the production of John Johnson, the third and Troy Hill, Uh, because I do think that Greg Newsom is going to start a significant number of games this year. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, He is going to do that. And I think that JOK will as well. I mean, they have such high hopes for him as well. I mean, he, he could have been a number of first round pick for them. And then anything that else that you throw in there is a bonus. Yeah. And I, I think they'll get something out of Anthony Schwartz if he, you know, if he gets healthy and kind of gets up to speed, then I do think that Tommy Togi, I will be part of the rotation. Uh, so I'm going to go with the rookie class. Yeah, I mean, what if Anthony Schwartz scores four touchdowns? Could happen. I don't think I am. Don't think that's going to happen. So I think it's mostly Newsom, JOK, and a little bit of Togia against the other two. And I think John Johnson is going to be like the third most important guy on this defense. I think John Johnson, the third may very quickly feel like a guy that the Browns can't live without. And I don't know that JOK or Newsom will do that immediately as a rookie. And Troy Hill's going to be on the field a ton. So if I'm really mostly doing it, Newsom and JOK versus Johnson and Hill, I'll take Johnson and Hill. Because I just, and I do think I agree that Togi Idan will push for playing time and probably rotate it in there. But I just think, I think John Johnson is like a get your team over the top kind of signing. I think he is a good to great kind of signing. I think he is a, hey, last year we won playoff, won a playoff game, and now we're on the cusp of the Super Bowl kind of signing. I think, I think safeties can do that on good teams, and I think he is that. And I just think, I think that impact as much as Newsom's going to be on the field and as much as JOK is going to be on the field, I just think that John Johnson is like one of maybe their six most important players. And so I'll lean, I'll lean with the free agents. Okay. A couple more here from the four, four Oh area code, true or false. You know, I keep putting these predictions off and we're getting closer and closer to where I'm just going to have to make them, but true or false. The Browns will go uh, deeper in the playoffs this season than last season. So basically the Browns will make the AFC championship game at worst, true or false. I'm going to say yeah, true. I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to say true. I mean, th- again, that's, this is what they're built for. This is, this is their baby. This is the, their Super Bowl edition of the Cleveland Browns. So I'm, I'm going to say true. I'm going to continue to give, I mean, not me, everybody continue to give Kansas city a lot of credit until they prove that they're not the best team. So I think like the most important thing for the Browns is to like, make sure you're not playing at Kansas city in a second round game. 
right? That as long as like, if, as long as you're not a four seed going to Kansas city, like to be the two or three seed. So even if you're on the road, like you, you just, all right, let's go to Buffalo, go, go to Buffalo and beat the bills. So you make the AFC championship game, whatever, go to Baltimore. If you have to, whatever it is, go to the chargers. I don't know. Host the chargers. What? So that it winds up that the chiefs are on one path to the AFC championship game and the Browns are on the other. And I think if that happens, then I think that's what the AFC championship game will be. And so I'll say, I'll say true. Also, I imagine that when we make our picks, that's what my pick will wind up being that that's the AFC championship game. Yeah. I think it comes down to, do you think they're going to beat Buffalo? Do you think they're going to beat Baltimore in the playoffs? And I, I mean, I think they can, I think had they gotten by Kansas city last year, that would have been a really good matchup in that AFC championship game. And the Browns would have had a chance to win that game. So I, yeah, I mean, if, if we're looking at this team and we keep saying they're one of the best teams in the league, then you've got to say, yeah, they can get, they can and should get to the AFC championship game. I don't think we need to be scared of those expectations. And, you know, I, I, I don't think you can count out a few other teams, right? I mean, what if Justin Herbert makes a right. really big right. jump in his second year? I mean, he was pretty darn good last year. Uh, so I think, you know, there are other teams that you also have to be thinking about. I can't remember where I say things anymore because all I do is talk. But I'm more excited for week five Browns at Chargers than I am for week one Chiefs Browns because I think that week five game is going to tell us a ton because everybody will have a month in, you'll have a feel for like, are the, what kind of step are the Browns taking is Herbert making a leap? Their defense is healthy. Right. And I do think when you think about young rosters in the AFC and it's like, once you get behind the chiefs, it's like you do, you think about the Browns and the bills and the Ravens and the chargers, I think are like those interesting teams. And so those matchups are there's going to be a lot of jockeying there. And so, yes, you have to be on alert for Justin Herbert, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what that, that game, because I think that's going to tell us something. I think that's going to tell us a lot about the states of both the Chargers and the Browns. I think that whole stretch of games, it's a stretch that we don't talk about a lot because there's other, everybody talks about the Chiefs game, the Ravens back-to-back, but I think that stretch of games starting October 3rd, which is week four, so the Browns play the Chiefs, the Texans, and the Bears. At worst, they should be two and one. Then they play at Minnesota, at the Chargers, host the Cardinals, host the Broncos, and wrap it up with a game against the Steelers. But those four games between the Vikings game and the Broncos game, Broncos on a short week, I think that set of games is going to tell us a lot about this team. I think that's a tough, a sneaky, tough little stretch of games. And the Browns can certainly win any of those games, but they can lose any of those games. And and I think we are going to, that Chargers game as a big part of it, I think we are going to learn about kind of where this team is uh, coming out of that, that first half of the season when, when we kind of see how they perform in those four games from October 3rd to October 21st. Who's the, are you assuming Aaron Rodgers is the Broncos quarterback by that point? Is it, is it Teddy Bridgewater? (laughs) I don't know. I, Listen, if it's Drew Locke, then that changes that game. If it's Teddy Bridgewater, I feel better about it. If it's Aaron Rodgers, then, I mean, that's that's the Thursday night game of the year. I'm just not to – I am not particularly interested in, like, sneaky sneaky stretches. Oh, Minnesota, I, they're better than those teams. Like, it doesn't mean they're going to beat all of them, but I don't have any doubt that they're better than, the, than Denver and that they're better than Minnesota. If the Chargers, like, peak – and Derwin James is back and Joey Bosa is awesome. And, and, you know, Justin Herbert looks like one of the five best quarterbacks in the game. Then I will, then I'll wonder, are the Browns actually better than the chargers or not? That's why I'm curious about that. Everybody loses some games. You're not supposed to lose. You win some games. You're not supposed to win. I don't, I don't think they're going to go like, I don't, just don't think they're going to be a team that's going to lose a bunch of games that shock us, whatever. I want to see what they look like against the best. And I think the chargers might be one of the best. So those are like the, the four or five games where I feel like these are teams they're going to see in the playoffs. I want to see what that looks like. I'm almost throwing the Chiefs game out because it's an opener on the road, and I don't know. But the rest of that stuff, the Ravens game, the Chargers game, the Packers game, that's where I really feel like I want to get a feel for the Browns because, you know, they're better than the Broncos. If something weird happens, so be it. I don't know. But the Chargers really, really, I'm just super jacked for that. Some really great quarterback matchups this year, depending on, who is still playing for their current team by the time those games come around. But, you know, so much has to do with, I mean, you can have a better 
complete football team. And I think the Browns have a better complete football team than many, many teams in the NFL right now. But as we all know, a really good quarterback can make up for a lot of ills. So it sort of depends on how does Justin Herbert elevate the play of everybody around him? I mean, can he take everybody up a notch and sort of, you know, overcome any deficiencies that there might be here or there. So when you look at some of these quarterback matchups, I think it's going to be a fascinating season to watch once again, Joey Burrow versus Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson versus Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield, even Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, Just, I mean, it goes on and on and on this year. All right, there we go. Our football insider subscribers coming through with some true and false yes or no questions for us. Now, uh, make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, because as I say over and over again, training camp is coming. We're getting down to it here. And Doug, Scott, and I watched draft day and we recorded a 90 minute pod about it earlier today. So that's coming on Monday. So you want to be subscribed to hear all of our thoughts on draft day. And we did give you a shout out, Mary Kay. We did, because I we had... did let everyone know that you were an extra in the movie, even though you ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, my love scene with Kevin Costner got got cut out, unfortunately. But I mean, you know, it was not a bad way to spend the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm my one of my, my biggest takeaway, just as a tease for the pod was like, I'm just I'm mad that you weren't in the movie as Mary Kay Cabot. Like I not uh, like like Me too. Ke- Kevin Costner's like walking down the hall and he's like, hey, Mary Kay, what do you need? And you're like, Sonny, what are you going to do with this? Like being a journalist like I, I'm. Uh, <sighs> They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball on that one. It should have been Mary Kay. It should have been Mary Kay making that phone call to the intern, not Adam Schefter. Absolutely. For real. Seriously. I've paid those dues with this team. The the sequel. The sequel when Jennifer Garner is the GM because Sonny got fired. Mary Kay is going to be like the third lead. There you go. That'll be. I did get to take a photograph with Jennifer Garner, which I still have on my phone. So that was kind of cool. Nice. Not to turn this into draft day pod part two, but Doug, I realized I rewatched that scene when, when they draft Vontae Mack. And I, I don't think we gave Chadwick enough credit. The scene that gave you chills. I don't think we spent enough time and gave Chadwick Boseman enough credit for, for that scene he's a, without saying he's, anything. He's a compelling stage uh, screen presence for sure. In, in many ways, but yeah, chills, baby. So that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Become a football insider subscriber before training camp opens or you're going to miss out on stuff. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Doug and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening.